Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Welcome to a new episode of the Geek Town Behind the Scenes podcast. I'm your host, Dave Elliott, and on this episode, I'm chatting with Goran Backman, VFX supervisor for Pixamundo on the superb Star Wars series, The Mandalorian. As you'd expect with a show like The Mandalorian, there are lots of visual effects sequences split across various VFX companies. One of the areas Pixamundo specialised in for the show was the creature creation. This led to the company developing some innovative techniques to produce various alien animals, notably the Blurgs, which the Mando has to learn to tame and ride. They also produce versions of the classic Jubaks, along with the Flying Beast Reptavian, the Tiny Gorvin Snood Lizard, and the Quartum, which is otherwise known as a Space Goat. Outside of the various creatures, they worked on things like the Pit Droids, they did various environments such as Moss Eisley, the Jawa Camp, Lava Fields, and a whole bunch of other things. They also had a chance to play around with the Mandalorian ship, the Razor Crest, as well. In the interview, we talk about all the stuff they worked on and more, and I just wanted to give a huge congratulations to everybody involved in the show, because they've been nominated for 15 Emmys, and I've already picked up five, including one for cinematography, production design, sound editing, sound mix mixing and visual effects. If you like this interview, we also spoke to the now Emmy winning music editor Ryan Rubin on episode 25. So if you go back onto the website or have a look through your feed, you'll find that a few episodes back. If you'd like to hear more episodes of these behind the scenes interviews, don't forget to subscribe wherever you get your podcast by searching for Geek Town Radio. This gives you our weekly Geek Town Radio podcast as well, which brings you all the latest TV, film and gaming news. You can also go to the website at geektown.co.uk for your daily news stories and all the latest UK and US TV premiere dates. Here's the interview with Goran Backman. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. 
Thank you for coming on and spend some time talking to me. Yeah, my pleasure. Let's get straight in and just talk about The Mandalorian. Do you want to explain a little bit about your involvement with the show? I'm a VFX supervisor at Pixamondo, so that means that we will you know, start with a discussion with the client VFX supervisors about the designs and then go through each shot, each sequence, and then try to lay out the best plan for ourselves to tackle these things. And we're also providing creative and technical direction to the staff while uh, you know doing our best to keep the whole project on budget. Awesome. That's kind of it in a nutshell. Yeah. yeah. Do you want to just explain some of the elements that you worked on on the show as well? Yeah. So we had a lot of creature work on, on this show. We had uh, five creatures and pit droids. I'm not sure what to call those creatures. Or, I think or they are called pit droids. But... I think you are right. <laughs> no, yeah. If, if you call them creatures or, or characters. But yeah, there's right, somewhere yeah. in between, I guess. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So, so that's that. You know, that's always great fun for us to, to do that kind of work. It's a very creative type of work, and uh, it challenges everybody here. So that's always fun. Um, we also had uh, some environments as well, like Arbala. We had the quills hit his uh, hut and his uh, you know pen area there. We did some Tatooine dunes. We worked on creating Mos Eisley, and we had some lava fields as well that we did. We also got to play with the Razor Crest. Uh, that was an asset sent to us by ILM. But uh, we we did animation, we did the final shots for that as well, and uh, we helped developing some of the you know it's kind of like characteristic smoke effects. I'm not sure if you noticed, but it does have kind of a bit of character to it. So so we we uh, did some of that work as well. Yes, um, we got to play with blaster bolts. I don't know why, but that was uh, that was actually very satisfying for me. You know, just Star Wars and blaster bolts. It's just the kid in you that comes out. I think yeah. you know because uh, you yeah. just want to make it's like you want to make the noise whenever you see it you know <laughs> yeah yeah yeah. no for sure i think so yeah, and we also had some sort of odd little things we, we uh, helped design the rifle scope mando's uh, rifle scope that was cool. kind of interesting too yeah, yeah. the creatures yeah. mentions their various things in it one of the big ones being the blurgs which mm-hmm. uh if if you're a, a star wars nerd you'll know that the blurgs first appeared in the battle of endor movie mm-hmm. the ewoks film which which yeah. i know john favreau is a huge fan of all the Star Wars things, particularly this movie. So do you want to That's just right. explain a little bit about your process for building the Blurgs and where you kind of start and what you did with it? So the Blurg, that was uh, that was a big task for us. And uh, it was the first creature that we did build for the show. We started fairly early on Mandalorian um, right. because of the, the challenges that was going to come from the Blurg. And also it involved what they would be doing on set as well. So that's another reason so the big challenge here was to place actors riding a believable cg creature that we also get to see a close-up yes. so um uh, on, on the set the actors have uh, they had sit on, on a saddle that then sat on top of a practical blurb's back that then sat on top of a uh, motion base which is a uh, mechanical device with uh, a bunch of pistons driving it. Yeah. And the aim here for us was to get this um, buck to be driven by uh, our animation. So to achieve this, we developed a system where we can see the, the motion base with the pistons in our animation software, which is uh, Maya. Yeah. And uh, we would have a CG motion base in uh, 3D built to the same specs and the dimensions as uh, its real world counterparts with the addition of some indicators that 
that would tell us when an animation would get pushed too far. Right. So let's say you have the blurg in, in 3D space, you attach the motion base to it. Now when you when you animate the blurg, motion base and follows, right? So you see exactly how it's all going to work on set. And, and this this really helped us out to make sure that what we gave ILM in the end to drive the buck would actually work out and we did not have to go back and forth or anything like that. Ah, um, okay. So your your 3D yeah. models and they're using that to program back into the buck. Yeah, sort of. We what we actually gave them was just animation data itself. So it was kind of like a set of joints that uh, right. they fed into the setup on set. So we gave them a bunch of animation cycles and we gave them some shot specific stuff and as many kind of animation scenarios that we could think of to give the, the onset crew a full range of, of animation data to use. So then they apply this animation to the motion base, they shot whatever they needed to shoot, and uh, they uh, sent the footage back to us. They told us what part of the animation, of our animation that they used. From there, we would cut up our animations and replace the buck in the footage with our CG blur again. Uh, watch as things would uh, just line up perfectly. It, it was, uh, it was <laughs> a nice feeling when shots yeah. came back and we're like, yeah, it all worked out, you know? <laughs> <laughs> wow. So, Oh, that's I, I yeah I never thought this was doing it that way right, but yeah that's, that's great yeah it's a really good way of doing it this way you're ensuring that everything feels real that the actors bodies are moving correctly and you know all the weights that you expect to see from them you know all the inertia from their bodies as they get pushed around you get all of that right away and, and the director can see what they're going to do you know sometimes you're asked to push things a little bit further than what they have shot and that's when you can get into a um, little bit of problems you have you have solutions for that but it's but if you can do it this way you know it's really going to to save time and money yeah i mean that has been one of the most impressive things about the mandalorian is using a lot of technical innovation and i think to speed up what otherwise would seem to be an incredibly complex vfx heavy show but mm-hmm. they seem to have come yeah. up with a number of things that help deal with that i mean you know we'll get to one of them uh, bit later on but uh, just just going mm-hmm. back to the creatures you did mm-hmm. some other things as well is there any more interesting bits about the blurgs or should we move on to some of the others yeah some of the stuff that we did on, for the blurgs that we can go into was you know the, the amount of detail that we would end up seeing you know there's one shot where we really get to see the blurgs face close to the camera yeah and uh, Favreau he really wanted to see the the eye and see how this was a living breathing creature right yeah. so we spent a lot of time painting in the correct texture and getting all the hydra stuff in there, you know, getting the small hair from its pores into the acid as well. Uh, even, even down to the iris of the blurg itself, you know, we, we painted in or sculpted in the, the individual fibers you see inside of the iris. So we actually had that kind wow. of depth to it. That's an incredible so, amount of detail. Yeah. So it was a fun asset to work on for sure. Yeah. Yeah. You got to build some dewbacks as well, I think, for this. Yeah. Did you end up building those from from scratch or did ILM hand you some assets to start off with and then you kind of built off them? They had an asset that they gave us that was um, it was a do-back but we had to make it high resolution we had to yeah 
sculpt in a lot of detail, but it was a good starting point for us. And they like to do this a lot, which is super helpful. You know, it cuts down on, on the communication and back and forth, right? If they can uh, bring us something. Sometimes it's a maquette that they do and give it to the director, get the maquettes approved and they get the scan done for it, send it to us, you know, things like that. But for the do-back in particular, we had a lot of discussions with Richard and, and Doug Chang about how this should look. We took a look at a lot of the signs from existing movies and uh, even games actually and mm. uh, also Terry Whitlatch's original design so we try to find the best of all worlds and then put that into the back that we would create so yeah. you know we took a look at how the muscles felt if they felt heavy enough to carry the creature and all those things you know and that was kind of a conversation that we always had with them to make sure everything felt real with a blurg as well you know it's a very front heavy creature so that was a discussion we had you know making sure that the back tail felt heavy enough to to make that all balanced yeah because i mean we've seen dubax on screen before but it's been a while mm-hmm. ago so i i can't i can't imagine they were that up to date the files <laughs> yeah no there was a there were a, they needed some work for sure but that yeah. was expected yeah. yeah yeah so some of the other things you did there was like a a a flying well i think it's referred to as the flying beast i don't know whether it has a proper name it was a kind of pterodactyly uh, type thing or a dragon type thing i seem to remember you're talking about the reptavian i think yeah right so that was a fun sequence for us as well i mean so we created the uh, flying creature as you call it and uh, and also the uh, the uh, each shot that that was included inside and that applied to to our blurring as well and do back you know when, whenever we had a shot of it that's when we took the full sequence generally right. speaking so the Octavian. It was the same process, really. We we took a look at some of they had some original designs, a little bit uh, um, rougher in this case. So we had probably a bit more freedom to create something uh, with this one. Hmm. But we also knew that it's going to be seen at darkness. So you know, you spend the money wisely. So it's uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. But we do have one shot where it grabs hold of Mandalorian and, and takes off. So we so at the same time, most of the time, you know, ninety percent of it, it would be in darkness, and then we have this one hero shot. So we would always have to keep that in mind. So um, when when it goes and grabs the Mandalorian like that, is that sort of shot a mixture of live footage of the Mandalorian or is that a, a replacement, like a digital replacement of him? Yeah, in that shot in particular, they just dragged the Mandalorian across the floor, poor guy, with some wires. <laughs> right. So some wire, yeah. So some wire I'm sure, paint I'm that sure it wasn't Padre Pascal in that. I'm sure that was one of the stunt ones. <laughs> yeah, so. Uh, so yeah we had to paint some wires for that and then uh, we animate to the performance on the footage you know and and, and it's, it's a little bit of a puzzle piece there yeah. to have to make sure you know or he was moving his arm there you know maybe we can put the leg there and try to push it or you know it's kind of going backwards a little bit because Reptavian is the driving force in the shot we don't have the luxury to do that in this case so. but yeah. it, I think I think that sequence turned out really well actually yeah good sequence and there was a, a shot of a space goat I seem to remember it <laughs> <laughs> yeah I think that was Hal Hickle the animation supervisor the first call of that <laughs> uh, at least through our conversations we had a good giggle about that yeah that's uh, official name is the Quartum. Mm. So I'm not sure if you remember, but in the old Star Wars, they, they sometimes have a, a kind of establishing shots and show a creature uh, yeah. sitting in the corner, you know, 
So it's kind of like a nod back to that. Right, that was yeah. the whole purpose of that. So he actually only has one shot. Yeah. Seems to be quite a lot of work for one shot. <laughs> but I mean, now yeah, you've got it. I mean, you never know. You might need to create a yeah. field of space goats. Maybe you'll come across <laughs> a space goat herder at some point and they'll they'll need more of them. So Yeah, spin-off. <laughs> yes, tight show about a space goat herder. Um, <laughs> is there any other creatures you did? I know there were, there were kind of little creatures and stuff. Were, were there anything yeah. else you did? Uh, the, the Gorbin Snow, which is a lizard that you see in the sequence where Mandalorian gets attacked. Yes. And we, yeah, that's it. And we talked about the pit droids briefly as well. Yeah, I think that's that covers, covers the ones that we did for creature work. Yeah. I mean, again, with the pit droids, there are obviously some ex- existing assets for that and they have to look a particular yeah. way. So I guess you don't get an awful lot of freedom into exactly how they work because there is a lot of reference for that. Yeah, shape wise, we were, we just talked very closely to what we were given. So we were given enough for that yeah. we changed up the texture a little bit and uh, there's a large chunk of our work for the assets itself then uh, you know we did the animation as well for them and spent a lot of time trying to keep the kind of comedy and the yeah. nervousness they must know, be so fun the, that must be fun yeah, to yeah. do the animations yeah yeah no they're, they're a lot of fun to work with yeah for sure yeah. our character animators they love working on those ones yeah you also mentioned that you do some of the wilderness scenes and some of the larger towns and that's sort of stuff mm-hmm. for some of the more wilderness scenes would you mm-hmm. have any particular real world references you're using for those so for Arvala we used a lot of photos from Death Valley so Island they sent out staff right. there to take a lot of pictures for us they had a, a massive library of the photos and uh, 3D scans that they had available to all the different vendors they also included Iceland and uh, photos from Hawaii that was used for, for a lot of the stuff on Navarro and then um, a lot of these photos were then used to create the 3D assets using photogrammetry, which is uh, the process of triangulating points between images. You right. basically feed the camera a, a bunch of photos, usually like at least 50, but it can go up to, to a lot more than that, a few hundreds. And then the uh, uh, computer like figures out a point that is seen in multiple images where that lives in, in 3D space and then spits out a, a 3D geometry for that. So Island, they started building a lot of that stuff. Sometimes Sometimes we, uh, we just looked at photos that they gave us and then created our own photogrammetry assets from that as well. So that was super helpful, you know, and it also cuts down on um, questions between the vendors and the island themselves, you know, because we have such a good base to go from. Yeah, yeah. Now we get into these largest scenes and stuff. One of the things which is unique with The Mandalorian was this thing that ILM and a bunch of other people came up with is the volume, um, mm-hmm, which mm-hmm. is... Is, is this I mean I don't know whether you're any better at explaining this than I would be <laughs> I could give it a shot go on the volume here this is one of the biggest changes in how we create visual effects in our industry's inception I think yeah so the, the question here was we have eight episodes of Star Wars which of course has a massive scope in terms of different locations etc for episodic television production while they were shooting one episode per 10 days I think so that's a, you know, that's a very tight schedule. So you can't really do what you traditionally do in a Star Wars production, which is they, they used to go to places yeah. like Tunisia. Go to Tunisia, or, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah you travel over there and shoot things there or, or Bolivia or, or whatever it might be. 
So due to the time restrictions on Mandalorian, there's no chance to do that. So and even so, you you often have to do set extensions on the footage that you get back from it. So this is the main reason why John and and Richard uh, Luff went with this option. So the the volume here solves all of these problems. So if I want to nerd out for a little bit and explain what it actually is yeah. in more technical terms, it's a 20 feet tall cylindrical shape, which I think had up to 270 degrees around the practical set that resides in the middle. It is 75 feet across and I think they had over 1300 LED panels blasting 1800 nits from them so they can get very bright. Yeah. And on these panels, Dylan ran a CG environment in real time on the screen and then you have a virtual camera displaying the environment that is also tracked to match the practical camera inside of this volume so that you get the correct parallax as this camera is moving and, and rotating. Yeah. So you have, imagine uh, you, you're stepping into a big cylindrical shape and, and everything around you is a real-time environment. And then through the camera's frustrum, you project a live image. This is done to, say, render time. You know, even if it's real-time, it's still like you have to ensure that we can record things as efficiently as possible possible, which also means that you can have high resolution of the assets on the real-time screen, right? So that was how that was done, generally speaking. So the, the other benefits, apart from the mentioned ones, is you get correct reflections on, uh, mm -hmm. on in particular, Mandalorian. He's, uh, he's very reflective with his helmet and his armor, uh, but also you get the correct lighting, the, the more diffusive lighting on everything, on the practical subjects, on the actors. As a director and filmmaker, you can frame things against the background with content because you know what you are framing. It's not against the green screen where you kind of have to imagine, oh, wouldn't it be nice to have this thing here, we have a lot of sky, maybe it's sun over there. Mm. You know, that, that's the things that you later have to communicate to the post-production people like us. With this change now, you see everything right away inside the lens. You know, you can shoot a scene at dawn for the whole day if you need to. You can change the sun position, you know, and even if your environment, if you feel like you have to throw up green screen, it was very rare that that happened but if you for whatever reason you want to do that at flick of a switch you have a green screen a perfectly lit green screen on this uh, volume as well and that in itself is another benefit because lighting a green screen and setting that up can take a, a lot of time and it's yeah. you know it's it's people on set waiting around for that to happen so this was uh, another benefit yeah it was one of those things that the first time i saw it i mean it's it's essentially it is a giant led video screen and the camera acts as a kind of game controller to control the background i guess would be the exactly yeah it's just an incredible breakthrough bit of technology because of watching the show you would have no idea that 90 percent of that is shot indoors it's, yeah it's a phenomenal I, bit of tech i mean my jaw dropped when richard first showed me how this was done you know i was yeah. like that is what you guys are doing wow and he showed the the final footage first and i thought I think it was of a Herzog sitting inside his bunker and, and just looked real. Yeah. You know? And then, and, and then you, you cut to a different camera showing how it's all done. And that's really cool. Like, wow, it's, this is amazing. Yeah. It's just an incredible bit of technology. And yeah. I mean, for you, I guess I mean, sort of takes away some of your work because it's, it's also <laughs> probably some of the work that's a big
think is pain to do things like reflections would you say you know mandalorians mm-hmm. you wouldn't have been able to have a shiny outfit for the mandalorian i don't think if yeah. or it would have yeah, been a lot more expensive to do that yeah sometimes you end up replacing things like that if the environment turns out to, to change later on during post-production mm-hmm. you often have to track in a 3d helmet let's say and then you know you, you put in a new reflection on that so we do not have to do any of that yeah so you've got things like that it gives the actors something to act to and mm-hmm. yeah. uh, you're not having to cut people out all the time off green screen which I, I imagine must be a <laughs> ball liking job for, for the FX people yeah yeah we do a lot of that but it was nice for change to have much less of that for sure yeah so for you it just must have made a huge difference even though you know you're not there shooting it just getting that footage afterwards must make a huge difference yeah no I know it was, it was a real game changer for us and an, an eye opener you know it was a fantastic experience to even just be part of of uh, this new way of working mm. and being being one of the first people to get to experience that yeah. okay so some more general things about the Mandalorian what would you say was the most challenging shot for you that you worked on I must say that that would be the Berg sequences where Mandalorian is riding on top of it right so yeah I think that was a really involved process it took us a while to get everything sorted out it was pretty straightforward to be honest with you it's just it's a long process in itself you know mm. so I think that was most challenging for sure you know and uh, sometimes we did not even expect the buck and motion base to be able to perform according to what the story needed. So in those cases, we did that a digi double of, of Mandalorian riding right. it, and, yeah. and you know that would be another challenge, I guess. So you really have to nail down the animation to sell it all. Yeah, yeah. And do you have a particular favorite shot from season one? That's like you're asking me to pick my favorite shot. Yes, I know. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, I think the the shot we discussed before, where the Octavian is picking up. Mando, I think that worked out really nicely. I I like how you know the lighting works on it, the lighting from the fire lighting up the the creature from below. And another one that I really like was the it's a wide shot of the Blurg with Mandalorian where he is uh, inside the Quill's pen when he's trying to tame the, right, the Blurg. Yeah. I don't know, it's, it's something really nice about it. It's the framing. We have the light direction looks really nice, and also it shows, of course, our most complex asset being the Blurg, and also a uh, a full CG background in a distance so everything that is outside of the fence is actually um, CG wow so it was a, yeah so it's a, it's a big shot for us but that, that whole sequence as a whole was good fun to work on and shows off a lot of that uh, background work yeah yeah I was going to say is there a shot you like to point out that might surprise the audiences of VFX but we kind of talked about the volume <laughs> so you know yeah, so. yeah that, that's a big surprise I think I hope yeah. so I mean it, it surprised me you know and I knew something was coming when they were talking about it yeah yeah. so um, yes absolutely on the uh, flip side though there's an interesting enough one shot with the Blurg being a uh, puppet wow so, yeah John I mean he, he did the puppet sort of aspects of the original movies a lot so he wanted to have a shot with that in it and it's the shot where Mando is using his, his plasma rifle to look around uh, and he lands on uh, on a Blurg hanging out in the distance and that <laughs> shot is a 
stop motion shots. Oh wow! So yeah, yeah, that's awesome. That's it. Yeah, back, going back to the battle for Endor <laughs> versions. Yeah, yeah, exactly. You know, I really appreciated that. I thought it was a nice touch of him to, to yeah. go with that. You know, yeah, yeah, that's awesome. So moving on to to sort of some more general things. Mm-hmm. Mandalorians is the main thing we've been on to talk about. You have worked across a bunch of other shows as well. I know she's Star Trek Discovery, Westworld, Lock and Key, some bits and pieces on the Wonder Woman movie. Yeah. The company as a whole has done stuff on Picard. See the Apple TV show, which I absolutely love. Yeah, Ca- it's a great one. Counterpart, Carnival Row, The Boys, Game of Thrones and the Orville, because I think every VFX company has done something on Games of Thrones and the Orville. <laughs> um, it seems to be that way. <laughs> Do you have any particular one thing that you've done, not necessarily just on the Mandalorian, but out of all the stuff that you've done that you've been particularly proud of? That's a tough one to pick, I think. I mean, if I were to say show, I would actually say Mandalorian. Well, of course. Because, yes, other yeah. than the Mandalorian, uh, I think, maybe. Yeah. I think um, we did some work on, on Fast and Furious 8. That was a great fun. You know, <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm happy with that because there was a lot of different things we got to do and there was a lot of things that it's a wide range of things. We got to do some water simulations and, you know, full CG replacements of digital doubles and it was just like a, a vast range of things. So that was a good experience and uh, I think it looks really good in the end as well. Yeah, yeah. Do you have a particular favourite type of VFX to work on? I mean, you know, like water, fire, I don't know, crashes, <laughs> explosions. I don't think I'd be surprised to hear this for creatures. I think a lot of us yeah. would say that actually yeah, yeah. That, that is something that we, we really love to do at uh, Epic Simonda it really challenges every department you know and mm-hmm. it's, it's a lot of fun to work on to get down to the nitty gritty of it all including muscle simulations and you know skin sliding and uh, you know how light travels through skin etc it's, it's just so much goodness there to work on so I, I would I would say that for sure you know yeah. and we, we did uh, speaking of muscles we did some of that as well and Mandalorian for the Blurgs John was you know he wanted to still keep the kind of like look that they had previously so we didn't do too much of it we developed a system where we uh, uh, allowed animators to to drive the the muscle simulation a lot you know so they could go in there and really tweak things so they didn't feel like too muscly you know it doesn't have didn't have too much of overlap in the muscles so just like firm enough to still feel like it was uh, not a, a stretch from what we have seen before in the Star Wars universe yeah yeah the Blurgs just brilliant the way they came out I oh. thought they came out really well oh, thank you other than The Mandalorian what would you say is the most interesting experience you've had while working in VFX I would say this is again going back to Mandalorian a little bit but we, we are in, in this revolution in our industry now and we're going from offline to online renders meaning you know offline being you know the slow waiting time of sometimes hours to see a single frame to real time renders right yeah. it's just a it's just a massive change from we what we in post-production have been doing for so long you know and uh, it cuts down the the feedback loop for everybody meaning how fast we get to see iterated versions of everything you know lighting environments and and all kinds of you know benefits that we get from that so this is something that we will end up seeing a lot of in the future and uh, it's it's just such a massive change that uh, i would put that down as one of the most interesting experiences i've had in the so far yeah yeah 
if I was a film producer, I would be begging whoever runs the studio for a volume. I think like every studio I worked at from now on. Yeah, yeah, no, it will happen. Yeah. Rest assured. Particularly at the moment when you're trying to shoot in the middle of a pandemic, if you could, you know, rather than having to try and get everybody out to a country or a particular location, if you can basically control an environment, which is what you need to be able to do, yeah. that's going to be a lot easier. Yeah, for sure. Right? So last couple of questions for you. As we cover a lot of TV shows on the site, they're always the same for everybody. So the first question is, what TV shows are you watching at the moment? So many, but <laughs> I really got into Marvelous Mrs. Maisel. Actually. Oh, that's a, a, yeah, I, it's, it looks it, gorgeous. It's got that. some fantastic writing. Yeah, are you watching it as well? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I was a huge Gilmore Girls fan, and yeah. then that came along from the same people, and the, the writing's the same, and I love the environment, and it, it's just hilarious. It's one of my favorite shows. Yeah, it's such a great show. We, we just put it on here one day, and then we like find ourselves watching five episodes in one day. You know? yeah. It really gets you hooked. Uh, I also started watching The Boys, which is... Uh, oh, yes. Which is a very good show, yeah. That's yeah. fabulous, yeah. yeah. I've, I've been watching that as well. That's been brilliant. The second season's just landed. I haven't gone that far, so uh, no spoilers. <laughs> <laughs> You'll love it, though. I mean, it's, it's just brilliant. I really, really enjoy that show. Mm-hmm. And if you had the opportunity to work on any TV show, it can be something from the past, something present, or something future, which show would it be? I'm, I must I must go back to the Star Wars here, actually. Once again, you know, the, the original Star Wars trilogy, they had so much new innovation. It, it must have been a great time for them to try to figure out everything. You know, they had to think up new solutions for so much many different things, you know, things yeah. that have never been done, you know. It's, it must have been a real fun experience for them and probably a little bit of a loss of hair at the same time but it was just everything was new you know and um, just right now it's getting quite easy to do a lot of things and, yeah. uh, I mean I should say quote unquote easy you know? it's <laughs> yeah, not careful. really easy but but we, we, we know how to tackle things fairly well you know it's, we have a wide range of things that we do but we, we know how to do it we know the process to do it and what's the most efficient way to do it etc but back then you know must have been exhilarating. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So sort of late 70s ILM is probably where you want to be. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. No, <laughs> I, I'm with you. I think that would be a fascinating yeah. place to be. Yeah. <laughs> awesome. Well, thank you for spending a bit of time to come on and talk to me. I love the show. I'm massively looking forward to the second season of it coming out soon as well. Um, I've been fascinated by the VFX for it, particularly things like the volume. So just great to be able to sit down and chat with somebody about it oh well thank you for having the interest as well you know and it's been fun talking to you as well awesome i shall let you go it's been lovely chatting with you and uh hopefully you know when some of your other stuff comes out you can come back on and talk about whatever that is when you can talk about them yeah sure looking forward to that yeah (laughs) awesome have a great rest of the day and hopefully speak to you soon yeah all right bye for now cheers bye-bye Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. 
Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns.